We know who we are and we are very comfortable showing up as the people we have become every day and embracing what comes before us. You know, we've got all that experience behind us and the open road ahead of us as long as we can just inhibit those aches and pains of aging, then what's not to uh, look forward to? I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. take a pause i want to share something with you you know those times that you're so into what you're doing you can't think about anything else the days you read half a dozen chapters write a thousand words or finish a work assignment without looking up once and then finally when you do you notice it's dark outside well how'd you like to feel like that every day i'm here to tell you you can it's totally possible psychologists call that feeling of being in the zone a flow state the optimal level of consciousness where you can perform at your best our sponsor, AlphaBrain, helps you to achieve flow state and supports other aspects of cognitive function for better memory, focus, and mental processing. AlphaBrain can help you remember names and places, focus on complex tasks, think more clearly under stress, and even react more quickly. And this has all been documented. With its trademark earth-based ingredient blends, AlphaBrain builds an environment in which the brain can operate on all cylinders and protects its functioning for lasting mental clarity. If you're ready to have a brain that works, turn that thing on. Go over to onnit.com slash Luke. That's O-N-N-I-T dot com slash Luke. And use the code Luke at checkout for 10% off. Get yourself into a flow state over at onnit.com slash Luke. I want to take a minute to turn you on to an incredible product called Organifi Green Juice. If you're someone like me who's tired of spending 10 to 15 bucks on an organic green juice from the local fancy juice spot, or maybe you just don't want to sit and spend 45 minutes chewing up a giant salad to get your greens in, Organifi Green Juice might just be for you. All you do is add water, drink it up, and let your body soak up the benefits. Of course, it's USDA organic, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, vegan, non-GMO, with clinically improved ingredients, and of course, 100% organic whole food. Here's what's in the Organifi Green Juice. It's incredible. The first ingredient that I love is Moringa. This has been part of the Ayurvedic medicine wheel for over 4,000 years. It's also got a clinical dose of ashwagandha, another important Ayurvedic herb. It's an adaptogen that helps decrease cortisol. In today's trying times, that's really important. It's also got chlorella a single-celled freshwater algae, which is nutrient-rich, high in vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. It's especially high in chlorophyll. It's also very alkalizing and detoxifying. The Organifi Green Juice also contains spirulina, beets, turmeric, mint, wheatgrass, lemon, and coconut water. All 11 superfoods work together in a symphony of incredible energy-boosting and detoxifying benefits. All I know is this stuff tastes delicious, and prevents me from having to spend so much time and money to get these nutrients into my body. So here's what you do to get your hands on some Organifi green juice. Go to Organifi.com slash lifestylist. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. Organifi with the Y. 
Organifi.com slash lifestylist and use the code lifestylist on that site to save yourself 20% off any item in the store. Well, the hits just keep on coming here at the Lifestylist Podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. This is episode 355, Spermidine, the key to longevity, energy, and cognitive power with Leslie Kenny. I'd also like to let you know that due to popular demand, we have just produced an incredible show all about EMF. This is something I get so many questions about. Of course, many of you know that I created the EMF Home Safety Masterclass some time ago, which you can find, of course, at lukestory.com slash EMF Masterclass. But next week's episode, number 356 with Brian Hoyer is free, baby. By the way, my class is only $149. That's about six hours worth of content that I formerly produced with next week's guest, Brian. So if you're someone that's been wondering about how to protect yourself from EMF without being crazy about it, and you're confused about things like 5G and all the things, next week's episode will not disappoint. I'd also like to let you know that if you're enjoying the Lifestylist podcast, you are in no way obligated to support the brands that fund it. I myself listen to many other podcasts and don't buy anything that they mention during the shows. However, there is one thing that you can do that really helps move the needle and get the word out, and that's sharing your favorite episodes with some friends. All you got to do is click around in your podcast player until you see something that says share, which will allow you to copy and paste this direct episode into a text, email, or social media post. This is a massive way to help support the show and always so deeply appreciated by not only myself, but also, of course, our guests. Like our recent show with Freddie Kimmel, today's guest has had an incredibly inspiring and heroic journey back to health as well. However, not only has she restored her health and vitality, she's also founded a company that continues to help others exponentially. Oxford HealthSpan was founded by our guest Leslie Kinney, a Southern California entrepreneur and Berkeley and Harvard grad whose life was turned completely upside down when she was diagnosed with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis in her 30s. Now, when her doctors gave her the fake news that her lupus had a life expectancy of five years and that her arthritis could only be managed, not cured, she set out to optimize her health as best as she could using safe, natural solutions. So rather than caving to the diagnosis, she went back to school at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York City. She also became a bulletproof coach under the health pioneer Dave Asprey and took on health coaching clients around the world. Now, on her healing journey, she also discovered something that we're going to talk about today called spermidine. And not only did she discover it, she also brought it to the U.S. market. Spermidine is a huge part of her anti-aging arsenal and has quickly become a part of my own daily health regimen as well. In fact, I took two of them when I woke up this morning. It's really incredible stuff, as you will soon learn, despite its funny name. Here's a brief breakdown of some of the things we cover in this conversation. How before funding Primadine, Leslie had a matchmaking company in China and Southeast Asia. Leslie's pain-to-purpose story about autoimmune lupus and rheumatoid arthritis and the brutal symptoms of each diagnosis. How she stayed emotionally hopeful during this period of suffering. We also cover some of the most powerful natural interventions she used to heal herself. The importance of autophagy in anti-aging. The issues with fasting for autophagy and discovering the miracle of spermidine and how it got its hilarious and off-putting name. Foods like natto that naturally contain spermidine. The bioavailability of spermidine versus resveratrol. 
the most impressive studies on spermidine, spermidine for slowing the aging process and its impact on immune function and its cognitive benefits, gluten intolerance and people who want to use the primidine product, which is sourced from wheat germ. We also talk about Leslie's background in Swiss banking and how that led to her becoming an entrepreneur in the health and wellness space, her scientific and clinical advisory boards at Oxford HealthSpan, and finally, the different spermidine products on the market and what to look for for the best results. Leslie is an incredibly inspiring woman and someone I was blessed to interview. Her story is incredible, not only in her personal recovery, but also in having the smarts and courage to launch a successful business. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that by the end of this conversation, it's highly likely you'll want to give this strangely named molecule called spermidine a try. So Leslie has offered our listeners a nice 15% discount on primidine.com slash Luke. That's primidine.com slash Luke. And the discount code there is Luke15. You can also, of course, find the links to everything we talk about in every episode on your podcast app if you simply scroll down to the show notes. All right, that's it. Prepare yourself to be inspired and to learn about one of the most cutting edge and recent discoveries in the world of health with the lovely Leslie Kenny. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me, Luke. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm stoked for this conversation. Your journey uh, is one that I find really inspiring. I think the listeners will share that opinion. I love interviewing people that have a pain to purpose story. And I find that many of the fascinating people that I have the opportunity to have conversations with on this podcast are people who have experienced suffering of some sort in their life. Of course, all people have. Not all people, however, are able to overcome it and turn it into their life mission, which you (laughs) have. So with that, uh, I'd like to start kind of at the beginning of your health journey. And uh, from what I understand, you had some autoimmune issues, lupus, and rheumatoid arthritis at a pretty young age, like um, in your early 30s. I was 39, but that was exactly the same age that my father died at. Oh, wow. Wow. So it was a pretty, it was a pretty big year. I think that when, those of us who've lost parents early, when we hit the age at which they died, we do re-examine our own mortality just because, well, if it happened to them, it could happen to us. And ironically, it did sort of happen to me. I had been leading this very fast-paced career. I uh, had an online matchmaking startup in Hong Kong that was uh, doing all the fun pioneering work in online matchmaking in uh, Pan China and India. And I just came to a juddering halt. I was very burnt out. And I got that call that nobody ever wants to get from their doctor saying, can you come in so we can discuss your results? And the doctor told me that I had lupus, which I had never even heard of before. And uh, the rheumatoid arthritis, I understood because I'd been experiencing a lot of pain in my hands. I couldn't type on my keyboard. I couldn't open doorknobs. Uh, Just a lot of pain in my hands. Couldn't use scissors. So that I understood. But then she said, and I'm sorry to say that it's incurable. It was the first time that I had met a medical professional and they had used the word incurable before. I had had people say that 
I was infertile or that, uh, you know, something else might go wrong. But usually the people in the white coats are the ones who give us the answers. And I was so struck by that. I did get a gigantic box of immune suppressants uh, that I got to inject myself with for the rheumatoid arthritis. But I was also told, well, these will work for about 18 months and then you'll probably need to cycle into something else because they stop working because the body catch on. And after injecting myself for maybe a few weeks, a month, I just said, I don't think I can do this. Um, first of all, your tummy starts to look like a pincushion. And you're a Californian. I'm a Californian. I still want to go out in my bikini. This is not a good look, <laughs> pure vanity purposes. But I just couldn't get over the word incurable. So with nothing to lose, I began to consult Dr. Google and uh, discovered that there were things that were the root cause of my illness, which was uh, inflammation run amok. I had heard these words, cytokines, tumor necrosis factor alpha, C-reactive protein. I didn't understand what they were, but I knew that my levels were so bad that one of my doctors said it looked like I was fighting cancer. And rather than suppressing my immune system, I wondered whether or not there were foods or lifestyle practices that I could incorporate into my life to tamp the immune, the overactive immune system down. And I ran into Dr. Barry Sears's book, The Anti-Inflammatory Zone Diet. So this was by uh, 2000, like the early 2000s. So the zone diet was big then. And uh, I got rid of all dairy. I got rid of all gluten. Um, I did lots of fish oil, lots of olive oil, made my own almond milk, uh, that kind of thing. And did lots of yoga, did lots of meditation. I also did a very new therapy at the time called intravenous immunoglobulin, which uh, now has been shown to help with autoimmune conditions. Uh, and that... At the end of that uh, period of really throwing the kitchen sink at my, at my poor health, uh, I had arranged ahead of time with my doctor to just retest in case they'd gotten it wrong. I mean, she looked very sympathetically at me when I said, could you have gotten it wrong? Maybe the test is a, this is a false positive. And I got that very, oh dear, she doesn't know. These results are clear. I went back, I took the test and all of my levels had gone back to normal. So suddenly I didn't have this diagnosis. I didn't have lupus. I didn't have RA. And that was, that was it. From that moment on, I realized that I had the power within my body to heal itself. And if I put it into the right conditions, right? It's always that. It's about the environment around our biology. And if we can gently manipulate that, then we can work in harmony with our body to allow it to do what it intuitively knows how to do, which is to heal and come back to homeostasis. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I, I've never been uh, a fan of that diagnosis of anything being incurable. Yeah. Because <laughs> I share the same perspective and in my own experience, I don't know that I've... Well, I, I guess... 
alcoholism is incurable. And I did have a pretty rough time with that one. And I was able to, um, I guess, cure it. I don't, I don't drink. So I haven't tested, you know, that hypothesis. Uh, I don't want to tempt fate as it were, but, um, you know, I think that the medical system is just so deeply enmeshed in scientism, right? That yes. it's, it's, it's only what we can, we can sense through our intellect that's real and anything outside of that is quackery or woo-woo, right? And I think it's so fascinating, you know, and this is not to fault all doctors. I'm sure there are many Western docs and allopathic docs that are doing great work and I applaud them for their dedication and their willingness to go into such debt to get their education and all the things that doctors go through and, you know, having to pay the bills when they build a practice and all of the things. But um, I do find it really discouraging that anytime you go in with symptoms, uh, you know, it's very rare that you're asked like, well, what are you eating? How are you sleeping? Do you exercise? Do you meditate? Uh, do you have unresolved emotional trauma in your past? You know, the things that will, as they did in your case, really move the needle toward health. And I, I love your perspective that the body wants to be healthy. The body knows what it needs. It's just a matter of us tuning into it and kind of getting out of the way and giving it support to do what it is inherently designed to do, which is to create an amazing vehicle for us to experience life on earth. So congratulations on... Um, being intelligent and hard-headed enough to go, you know what, I'm going to fix this myself. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. That's very kind of you. I always, I started out with the intention of meeting my doctors halfway because I I knew that there was only so much they could do. And this, uh, the way that doctors are when when they talk to you and say, you've got this and it is incurable. They are often wonderful students and they have been rewarded for coming up with the right answer, which is the diagnosis. So a doctor may say, this is great. I figured out what this patient has. You've got lupus. It's incurable. (laughs) That to the patient is sort of like a death sentence, right? And a lot of patients will just give up. They will take the drugs, which can help for a period of time. I am not against drugs. Drugs in the acute for acute illness, wonderful, but for chronic illness, there's so much more that we can do if we can simply empower the body to do what it knows how to do. And uh, as I said, that once you've seen that, you can never, you can never turn back. You can never not see it, right? What are the symptoms of lupus? I'm not, you know, that's a word I hear um, from time to time, but I'm not really familiar with what it is. I, I think I always get it confused with Bell's palsy, the half Oh, where you lose, yes, you paralyze half your face. Yeah, no, I don't know why is... I, get, I get those two confused, but break down lupus for us. I'm sure there are people listening that have been diagnosed with that or perhaps even currently suffering from that. So I'd like to uh, kind of educate people a little more about what that is. Sure. Lupus is, it often comes together with rheumatoid arthritis. And a lot of the symptoms, which are generally uh, an autoimmune attack of the organs, uh, you can also sense it in your hands as well. So it can attack the joints too. But uh, in my case, I believe it was attacking the kidneys. I mean, once you hear it, I can't remember all the things she said. There were so many things that were wrong with me. I can't remember them all, but it it will attack your organs. And that's why it can be, if you don't get it under control right away, it can be really, really an issue. 
uh, in particular for your kidneys. Got it. And so how do you think you got there? I mean, were you just eating too much gluten and dairy and the end result of that was this? I mean, were there other were there other practices in your lifestyle that you think led? Sure. Such- yeah, I, I think I, I think I was living the uh, the work hard, play hard, uh, destroy your body maxim. Right? We, we've all been taught, oh, work hard, play hard. That's how it should be. Actually, the body has a limit. I was not respecting that limit. I was polluting it with junk food. I was definitely. I am. I've got one of the genes. I'm heterozygous for uh, celiac. Uh, eating tons of gluten didn't really sit very well with my body. Unsurprising there. SIBO, right? Get leaky gut, have all sorts of toxins from undigested proteins from your gut leak into your bloodstream. Uh, the body naturally will mount an autoimmune, will mount an immune attack against that, but there may be other proteins, other organs in the body that have proteins that are similar uh, in look, and the body ends up attacking those. I, I presume it was probably. A mix of that. Also, I'd been on the contraceptive pill for 10 years. Uh, that seems to also uh, lead to things like candida. Candida is not great for, uh, for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And so I think it was, it was the perfect storm. But honestly, this is how a lot of people just live, right? We eat processed food. We work long hours. We lead a sedentary lifestyle. We are under deadline. And instead of actually taking time out to just, you know, drop and put the vagus nerve into parasympathetic mode, we just start to tighten up and we are living under chronic stress in that sympathetic mode uh, of fight or flight. And, you know, high cortisol is inflammatory, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, t- I do a lot of self-care. I mean, I meditate a lot. I definitely take breaks. I go do an ice bath in the middle of the day, work out a little bit. Uh, but I, I sense that even all the things I'm doing as a pretty healthy 50-year-old that, um, especially I think having just moved and remodeling a house and working and doing tons of podcasts, uh, I find myself a lot in a state where I realize that I'm in a sympathetic nervous system response, right? And it's yeah. just like, this tension, but I can only imagine. Well, I don't have to imagine because I used to live like this, uh, as you just described. But there are so many people that don't know the difference, right? So they're yeah. just they're just on autopilot all the time, kick ass. And I think in at least in Western culture, that's encouraged because our metric of success has to do with getting the things, right? Stacking up dollars, uh, getting the house, the family, whatever one's goals happen to be. And uh, we're just kind of led down this path of uh, a value system, right? That doesn't see uh, an inherent value in pausing and taking time to really regenerate, let alone like really focusing on sleep, which is something I I harp on consistently uh, because as I get older and and last night, case in point, I don't know why uh, I'm trying a new supplementation routine wherein I'm... uh, inserting 200 milligrams of uh, melatonin in a suppository. 200 milligrams. Wow. That is twice as high as... I've never... I've 100 (laughs) milligrams. I've heard of somebody doing 100 milligrams, but that's really high. I didn't think you were supposed to do more than 50. It's a a whole thing. I have a show about it coming up. But anyway, I'm in an experimental phase as I Mm -hmm. I do research and then I share it with the audience, you know. 
But um, you know, I, I got probably five and a half hours of sleep and all the supplements, the NAD, all the things yep. today will never top. Uh, I took my my spermidine, you know, my good, good. my primidine. I do I do two of those in the morning and two at night. We'll get into that more, but mm. nothing I do tops getting a solid seven or eight hours of quality sleep. Yeah, and I think a lot of people look at sleep as just like a waste of time. Like, oh God, I guess I got to go to sleep. I want to keep crushing it. That's how I used to be, and now yeah. it's just like, oh my God, my sleep is so coveted yeah. because I really feel the impact uh, when I when I don't do it right. I agree. I think the older we get, the more foundational sleep is. And I, the American way of life, which has now, because America is so powerful, has now become the way that everyone in the world is trying to be. Is the Cal, It's based on a Calvinist work ethic, right? You're supposed to keep working, 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 working. You're not of value unless you're producing. But the Eastern philosophy is yin and yang. It's all about balance, bringing the universe back to homeostasis. And if we model our behavior on that, then we do need to bring our bodies back into homeostasis on a regular basis, not just once a day, but the way that you do. And you're very optimized. So if you feel like you're in sympathetic mode too often, then uh, what is it like for the rest of us? In particular, people who are in front of a screen and under bright lights with blue light spectrum coming down. Talk about raising your cortisol. Yeah. And you'll never get, you'll never get your melatonin production up if you're exposing yourself to all of that blue light chronically, which is how most people live today if they're working in offices, right? Yeah, you just hit one of my other favorite topics of blue light. You know, when I do these recordings, I have this giant LED light flashing on my face. You know, and it's always like, practice what you preach, but goddamn, the video's got to look, you know? <laughs> the quality is not as good. I actually put mine, I tilted mine. I don't have it face on because I Art. can't take Art. it either. <laughs> what do you think it was in your constitution that gave you? The fortitude, the the sense of hope, this the I'll figure it outness that kept you going. Whereas a lot of people might go to the doctor and get that diagnosis, you're incurable, right? Uh, and just kind of fold and 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 even though intuitively they might have a sense like God, this can't be right. There has to be a way, but they just lose hope and they become despondent and depressed and just kind of end up being a product of the pharmaceutical system. What was it in your makeup? Was it something uh, that you learned from your parents or hmm. did you have a model in your life that represented that, that sort of strength to just carry on and find your way? It was probably the school of hard knocks. So you, you mentioned that you had your own struggle with alcoholism. And I grew up uh, the only child of an alcoholic. And uh, that was my father who died at age 39. And I took care of him on my own until he died. There were so many moments where I wanted to help him. But if you are 12, your ability to be resourceful is very limited. And I remember calling up Alcoholics Anonymous and saying, I need help. I can't manage. I'm pouring out vodka bottles. Every single day, he starts at breakfast with vodka. I can't, I don't know what else I can do. And when he sees it, I've replaced it with water, which is the answer to a 12-year-old, right? I know, I'll just give him water and he won't notice the difference. <laughs> 
I had run out of, of answers. So that was my first experience with what I will call authority figures. Because the AA said, and they have changed since then, two years after that, they did find a way to help families, including children who were on their own like I was. But that was my first uh, experience with authority. And then when I was in college, my grandmother, my father's mother, uh, who was a widow, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. So I took a year out from Berkeley and I went back to my grandmother's home in Indianapolis. And between my uncle and I, I would do a 16-hour shift every day because she basically went into a coma and we were feeding her with a tube through a tube and uh, had a catheter, the whole nine yards. So every two hours, you've got to turn these, these individuals. Otherwise, they get bed sores. I would read to her, who's my absolute beloved grandmother. And at one point, I said to the doctor, well, so what's next? And he said, he said, you know, you could just stop feeding her. And this is a really, this is an unacceptable answer. You cannot tell a family member to essentially kill their beloved relative. It's just, it's an impossible ethical dilemma. And so I had already pushed up at the limits of medicine. Oh, well, there's nothing we can do. Well, you can keep feeding her with the tube. And then when you're tired, stop. That's not the answer. And so when it came to my turn, with medicine and the sharp end of the stick was poked at me. I just thought, lupus, whatever. I have never heard of that. Forget that. Just this is wrong. This is not, this does not apply to me. We will figure this out. And my grandmother who died was, uh, she was a typical Midwesterner and just had a great, she channeled that pioneering spirit um, that many Midwesterners have. We're just going to have to make it happen. And I did. And I figured it out. And I think others can too. I wonder if the emotional trauma of uh, being a child of an alcoholic and going through what you did with your grandmother, I wonder uh, if that had something to do with the physical manifestations that you experienced. Have you explored that side of healing as a component of helping your body uh, heal? I did. I did. I wrote letters to my father because, of course, when uh, you when this when they die, it's it's never it's very seldom with an alcoholic. It is very seldom that you are gathered around and it's perfect and you hear the angels singing and. Uh, you can say goodbye in the way that you want to. This was not the way that I wanted to say goodbye. There was a lot of unfinished business. And so uh, I did lots of meditations. I would do lots of visualizations where I would have conversations with him. As I said, I wrote a lot of letters and then I burned them. Just trying to incorporate ceremony and uh have this mark the milestone of, all right, I've said goodbye to you and I've made my peace. But interestingly, when I finally got a correct diagnosis for my hypothyroidism, and that didn't come until much later, that didn't come until, oh, probably 2008. The doctor looked at my cortisol levels, which were 
nowhere. I couldn't create cortisol. I was so exhausted. And he said, you know, I think that you've had this for a very long time. I've never seen such bad cortisol levels. I don't even know how you're standing. (laughs) And he said, I would guess that something really traumatic happened to you in your in your teens. And I I said, gosh, you know, I just can't think about it. He said, really? Because it looks like that. And I was like, oh, wait a second, right? My dad committed suicide. He hung himself. I found him. Oh, wow. I stayed with a family friend to finish up that year of high school and the house burned down. And then two months later, my grandfather died. That's what made my grandmother a widow. He probably died of a broken heart. Uh, He'd lost two sons at that point. So it's two out of three sons. So I'm sure that there was trauma there. But of course, we never stopped to think about it. And at that time, no one said, you know, this child might have a a lot of stuff going on in them. Maybe they should talk to someone. It was never, never suggested, just not done. So not processed. And of course, if you've ever seen the work of Bessel van der Kolk at Harvard, the body keeps the score, right? And all of these things leave imprints on our physiology. So it's not surprising really that that it, it did happen. But I've done a lot of work to undo it. I can tell. Well, your energy uh, exudes joy, you know, and <laughs> people that... You know, myself included at a, at a time that uh, haven't resolved those those issues and those emotional scars, I uh, have a very hard time accessing that sense of lightness, right? The lightness of yeah. being. Because yeah. there's this heaviness within your subconscious that is unaddressed and it's just percolating back there. All of those memories, you know, the moment you found your dad. I mean, I can only yeah. imagine these type of things. Um, I think yeah. really, really shape our internal landscape and how we we see the world. And it sounds like in your case, you know, you went off to school, making money, kicking ass. It's like, yep. that's how I'll fix it. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, right. Which is, is so common. And then here you are 39 and, you know, the story unfolds as it did. Well, I commend you for your, um, you know, your courage to, to work through all of that and to overcome it. Um, and oh, I think it's a really important you. message. Yeah, really. And I think it's a really important message for people too uh, that suffer from these mysterious kind of autoimmune issues, the Lyme and fibro and lupus and arthritis, all of these uh, things that are um, often labeled incurable and uh, are going to necessitate medication for the rest of your life. I think it would be well served for the people listening that are currently suffering from those type of issues that uh, underneath the surface may very well be emotional issues that are preventing the body from healing itself. So thank you for um, your vulnerability and sharing those stories. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. I've struggled with quality sleep at times and I've tried just about everything to improve it. And when I say everything, as a regular listener of the show, you will know that's a lot. Now, one of the best tools I've discovered is Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. And I'm not the only one having success with this product. Their website's actually loaded with positive testimonials and five-star ratings from people getting the same results every day. So if you're someone who's having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, one of the best things you can do is to start getting enough magnesium. 
But I want to warn you, don't just run down to the health food store and buy the first magnesium supplement you can find. They are not all created equal. In fact, most magnesium supplements only use the two cheapest synthetic forms. And since they're not full spectrum, they won't fix your magnesium deficiency or help you sleep better. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming sleep enhancing effects. And that's why I recommend and use Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. It's the one I use every day. In fact, true story, I just emptied a capsule into a glass of water before this very recording because I find it to be really relaxing and just balancing to my brain. So all you do is take two capsules before you go to bed and you will be amazed by how much better you sleep and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. So if you want to check it out, we've got an exclusive offer for you listeners at magbreakthrough.com slash Luke. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-R-O-U-G-H, magbreakthrough.com slash Luke. And if you use the code Luke10 during checkout, you're going to save 10%. That's magbreakthrough.com slash Luke. And now back to the interview. I'd like to kind of get in the weeds a little bit on, on some of the things that you've discovered along the way. Our body's made up of cells, right? And some of those cells uh, over time for different reasons go dormant. And then mm-hmm. the body has a system called autophagy, wherein it takes those senescent uh, so-called zombie cells and gets rid of them and replaces them with new cells that uh, do what they're supposed to do and take form in whatever organ or system in your body needs them. Could you break down autophagy? And then I'd like to go into the direction of the anti-aging and optimization mm-hmm. yeah. that you know can not only get us well, but then help us to really have the vitality that we're all looking for. So autophagy means self-eating in Greek, and it's the cell's innate ability to renew and repair itself. So uh, we all know from high school biology class about mitochondria, the powerhouses, the energy powerhouses of our cell, and they rely on properly folded proteins. And over time, as we get older, as we expose ourselves to a lot of stress, those proteins misfold and the mitochondria stop working very well. Generally, the cell will have a lot of other material in it. It has Uh, waste material that it needs to get rid of. And the way that it does this is through this self-eating autophagy process. So cellular renewal. And if that doesn't work well, it can manifest itself in inflammation. So when I look back at my 39-year-old self, I had no energy. I had inflammation run amok everywhere. I was prematurely aging. And what I needed to do was figure out how to harness my body's ability to trigger autophagy. And you can do that through fasting or high-intensity interval training, or as you know, cold thermogenesis. You're doing that every day. Um, Heat shock proteins, if you're in the sauna, there are various ways that you can do this. But um, And you can also work on the inflammation side as well, which I also did. But at its core, what you want to do is, again, work in harmony with your body's innate wisdom on autophagy. And it is meant to do this cleanup process. I always, because 
autophagy, the mechanism of action of autophagy was discovered by a Japanese scientist, Yoshinori Osumi. I like to think of it as having Marie Kondo, the Japanese clutter whiz come into your cells and just you know spruce things up. We all need to have our cells spruced up all the time. And if we don't, well, we know what it's like in our house. If we don't have that, things pile up, things get cluttered, nothing works quite as well as it should. And without that kind of regular maintenance, the body begins to fall into disrepair in different ways. The aches and pains of aging, poor sleep, our circadian rhythm is not as good as it once was, for instance. And our energy levels tank, right? Because the mitochondria aren't able to to create energy in the way that they used to. Naturally, this has an impact on our cognition as well. Because we have mitochondria in our brain as uh, in addition, right? So we want all of these cells in all parts of our body to be functioning optimally. And harnessing autophagy is the way to do it. When we're young, we actually produce a compound, a molecule called spermidine in our gut biome and in our tissues. We also get it from our food. But because two-thirds of it comes from our tissues and our gut biome, you can imagine what happens as you take a lot of antibiotics, um, you are exposing your body to various stressors, your own ability to manufacture this endogenously uh, is impaired. So that means you have to increase your intake from outside, from food. And I know you you eat natto, which is a very high source of it. Anything that is fermented has a lot of spermidine, which is this molecule that triggers it. And you can, you can eat those things. You can also do things to help your gut biome produce more as well. So, and fasting naturally helps your tissues produce more too. Is fasting an issue for folks who have thyroid uh, problems? You mentioned you had a hyperthyroid or hypo. I was hypothyroid. Yeah. So Um, this is, that's one, exactly one of the reasons why finding an external source of uh, having more spermidine was, it is the way that I actually trigger autophagy in my body because as a hypothyroid patient, when I fast, and especially for women, when I fast, my body says, oh, famine coming. So my last name, uh, Kenny, is Irish. And I am I do have a lot of Irish genes on my dad's side of the family. And uh, there's a fellow at Johns Hopkins who says that the Irish have higher incidence of hypothyroidism. They remember famine genetically. And that means that when you try to starve yourself, what does your body do? Well, it says, well, let's conserve the resources we have. And it does that by releasing reverse T3. So T3 is the bioavailable thyroid hormone. Reverse T3 can sit on the thyroid receptors in every cell in the body, and it can stop T3 from getting to the cell and kickstarting metabolism. So that's why I think some women in particular, those who are over, 50 who are postmenopausal and more likely to have thyroid dysfunction tend to notice when they try to fast 
they end up gaining a little bit of weight and they don't understand it, right? They were so disciplined. They were so good. Why didn't this work? It sort of you know, had this counterproductive result. I think it's because the reverse T3 is being released and it's slowing their metabolism down. So finding another way to do this, such as taking spermatine, spermidine is, uh, is a much easier way to do it and uh, doesn't have that negative result on the reverse T3 receptors. Would you say that uh, spermidine is most prevalent in natto as a food? Is that the highest food? And um, I know what natto is, and I'm a fan of it. My fiance, Allison, who's in the other room, is not a fan of it because whenever... <laughs> When I open the little jug of the natto, she's like, ew, wash your feet. You know, it's like... The smell is terrible. I know, I know. It, it well, is, you don't, you know, I don't notice it when I eat it, but if I don't close the container and then I walk back in the room, I'm like, oh my God, disgusting. Uh, <laughs> uh, so natto is, is going to be something that is not, you know, palatable to many people. Uh, I, I mean, I camouflage mine a lot. I'm not going to lie. I put hot sauce on it and all kinds of weird stuff. Oh, I never thought about that. That's that's a good one. Yeah, I, you, I sort of wrap it. I enrobe it in rice, um, which I've boiled and cooled and put some you know, medium chain triglycerides on to turn it into resistant starch. And then I got some seaweed around that. <laughs> right, right. So for a lot of people, they just won't like natto. Uh, and for others, it, it wouldn't be necessarily available. I'm sure some people in Europe or different places... Uh, won't have access to it because it's a Japanese food, right? Um, yeah. So if one didn't want to go the natto route and wanted to take spermidine as a supplement, um, what would be the, the relative um, dosage in terms of milligrams? Like how much natto would you have to eat to equal a couple capsules of like the primidine uh, product that mm. you eventually created? So it really depends on the way the natto was manufactured. So uh, we know that the Okinawans are among the longest lived people on the planet. They're one of the blue zones. And they actually ferment their natto for a year in these limestone caves. Yeah. Wow. And, and it actually doesn't taste foul or disgusting, interestingly enough. Now that is super high in spermidine. The natto that we get, uh, you know, you, you can get it in Japanese and some Chinese and Vietnamese food markets, even in Europe uh, and in the United States, and it comes frozen. That is industrially produced natto, and it is not fermented for as long. So the amount of spermidine in it will be a lot smaller than what you would find in the wonderful Okinawan one, which is uh, fermented for such a long time. So it's a little hard for me to, to sort of say a spoonful of this is going to be the equivalent of this, but I can tell you how much is in, um, you know, in primidine, which is one milligram of spermidine. And the reason we chose that dosage was because that is where the clinical studies have been conducted for cognition improvement. So we know that in a cohort of individuals who were between the ages of 60 and 85, who took one milligram every day for 90 days, and they had subjective cognitive decline beforehand, at the end of those 90 days, they uh, experienced an improvement. So that's the, that was the dosage that we wanted to 
rely on because there was scientific validity behind it. Have you, I'm taking considerably more than that. Are you? (laughs) Well, I take, I do take more than that. I take it in the morning. I take it in the evening, but uh, you can take the European um, food safety um, authority says that you can have up to six milligrams of supplemental spermidine daily without any untoward effects. The FDA hasn't actually um, hasn't actually made any statements about it, but it comes in your food, right? And so, yes, you know, eat it if you can from places like natto. You can get it from shiitake mushrooms as well, which is terrific because I love shiitake mushrooms. Um, and we've often there is also this ancient wisdom around medicinal mushrooms. There's definitely something to it. Peas are a good source. Grapefruit has some. When I saw that about grapefruit, I thought, oh, right, the South Beach diet, right? That, that was all about grapefruit. I wonder if there's a connection. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. At what there's point, possible. At what point did you discover supplemental spermidine and what led you to going, you know, I'm just going to create my own product because... When I first heard about it, uh, uh, probably a couple of years ago, I don't think it was readily available. It's just something that I discovered in passing and thought, well, maybe someday we'll be able to get it. So I'll just yeah. do that. So, yeah. But it, it seems that as of late, it's a bit more prevalent kind of in the, at least in the US supplement market. Um, you know, was this something obscure that you discovered in a supplement form and went, you know what, I want to bring this to the world because it's so effective in autophagy and these other mechanisms of healing? So I, I first really, it first came to my attention while I was having parallel discussions with two Oxford University professors. So I'd been introduced to um, Professor Katja Simon, who's an immunology professor at the University of Oxford, who was working on rejuvenating elderly immune cells using spermidine. And that paper came out in eLife in December of last year. And she was very convinced about it. She'd done all the mouse models. So of course, we always must remember that preclinical trials like mouse trials do not equal human trials. What works for them doesn't always work for us, right? We don't run in little wheels. But she, she felt it was so promising and there were really no downsides. And... I was introduced. Uh, I was introduced to, to her, and then at the same time, I was talking to emeritus professor of physiology Dennis Noble here at the University of Oxford, and he's most famous uh, for being a systems biologist, for being the first person to compute how the human heart works in 1964, and he and I were talking about it because he was working on a bit of a mystery. This was a series of scrolls, 30, 1,000-year-old scrolls that he had been introduced to by a former pupil of his, who the, the current empress of Japan. So she had been a student at Oxford University and on an official visit where he had an audience with the empress and the emperor, he'd been offered the chance to look at these scrolls. And three of the scrolls have to do with longevity. And one of them in particular has to do with longevity and sexual intimacy. And I don't think it will come as a surprise to any of your listeners when I say that sexual intimacy 
does have something to do with longevity. And yes, it has something to do with spermidine. <laughs> okay, sperm wow. in spermidine good. has, that is, your, that is your clue. So spermidine was named, was given that name when it was first identified uh, as crystals under a microscope, when Antony van Leeuwenhoek basically put his semen on a microscope, uh, you know, on a little glass plate, put it under his microscope and looked. And well, that's what you would do in the 17th century. If you were trying to use this great microscope, you'd be curious, right? We would all be curious. So he put saliva there, he put semen there, and he first identified it. However, a 10th century court physician to the Japanese emperor named Yoshiori Tamba also observed its longevity enhancing effects. And he had brought this wisdom from the Chinese court where his family had all been court physicians to the Chinese emperor. And they had observed in successive millennia of Chinese emperors that those who practice seminal retention actually seemed to live longer and healthier. Why is that? Well, because a man has this magic superpower. He can actually harness his internal pharmacopoeia by getting aroused, but then not ejaculating. By retaining that semen, it can be resorbed throughout the body. And we think, Dennis and I think, that's how it can actually benefit the cells, it triggers then autophagy systemically. So the average seminal emission is around 15 to 50 milligrams of spermidine. I told you that primidine has only one. <laughs> so, so that puts it into perspective. And that range, of course, is that's a very big range, 15 to 50. It, has, it does correlate with age. And the ancient Taoist text and also the text that Yoshiori Tamba put together say that as men get older, they should practice um, seminal retention more frequently. And it's obvious. This becomes more of a precious resource when you're older and you need more spermidine. So how are you going to get it? So I've, I've not... A lot of men who say, oh, well, then I'll just not have sex. No, actually, you need to be aroused. You need to go through the meditation, the very slow arousal with your partner. You need to synchronize breath and gaze and heartbeat. Then you come to this moment where you are almost in a meditative state and you are able to control the emission. And of course, physically, you can control it either yourself uh, by squeezing the buttocks or by pressing the perineum or having your partner do it. But those who are most practiced actually can do this through breath work. <laughs> you know, it's fun. I had no idea we we're going to go here. This is so fascinating. <laughs> In my research of spermidine, of course, I thought, wow, that's a funny name. Uh, but I did never, I never connected it to the semen retention. And I have interviewed uh, a few men on the show, namely being John Gray, who's a huge mm -hmm. proponent of this practice. And whenever I talk to uh, these guys about this, it's, I always liken it to Bigfoot because it's. <laughs> <laughs> Something that people claim to be real, but uh, you know, I've yet to see it. Um, but you know, there are men who 
use these Taoist practices and, yeah. and also not only retain it, but have a full orgasm. Yes, and you without, can. You can have multiple orgasms. They're like little earthquakes, right? Yeah. And I've, yeah. You know, like I said, I've heard about it, tried it. I don't know that I've put in, well, I know that I haven't put in the time and effort uh, to be able to build that as a practice. Tisk, tisk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah. You of all people, a yoga instructor, <laughs> you need to be, be doing honest. this. Um, but I, I can say, as a guy who's you know not in my 20s anymore, uh, that I definitely have more energy uh, if I don't have sex very often. And I, you know, it just kind of happens naturally that I, I don't do it every day like I did when mm-hmm. I was younger. Um, and when I do, it's more meaningful because I know that there's going to be a, a little bit of an energetic uh, leak there, so to speak. Mm, uh, so that's, yeah. yeah, so this is really interesting. So I guess I could just take like half a bottle of... <laughs> Every time I have sex, you know, instead of holding it in and, and learning the Taoist practice, I just take a huge handful of uh, spermidine pills from uh, primidine. But that's that's very interesting. So, um, okay, let me see where I want to go with this. This is interesting. So, <laughs> the the other thing is the other fascinating fact that people don't realize about spermidine is that it's so important to life that mother's breast milk contains spermidine as well. Now, it has a very beneficial effect on the gastrointestinal tract. It helps actually seal the gut lining, which is very important for babies. So it's not surprising that it's there. Obviously, in breast milk, there are also fructooligosaccharides, which are great. Those are prebiotics, which we can't digest, but which go through to our gut biome to help feed the colonies that the baby has inherited as it goes through the vaginal canal. And uh, we always forget about the prebiotics, right? Oh, we're so obsessed with probiotics that we're always putting the probiotics in and then forgetting we have to feed the colonies to keep them going. And uh, that's one of the reasons that we put a prebiotic also in primidine because we don't just want to put spermidine in. You have to also take care of the gut biome because that's actually a vital resource of spermidine for both men and women. If you know you can feed those colonies, the fuso and bacterioides colonies that naturally produce it. Wow, for for a lay person, you're super smart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Are you sure you're not a scientist? And it's you know it's in researching your background, you had the uh, the matchmaking service, and then you were involved in Swiss banking. I mean, it seems like you have had a you know a successful career and an entrepreneurial one. So it's it's fascinating that you've been able to amass and actually retain all of this data. It's really incredible. Um, you mentioned one of the studies uh, around uh, cognitive decline. Yeah. Are there any studies uh, being conducted currently or any others in the past that you could speak to in terms of there, verifiable benefits even outside of autophagy? There are, there are a lot of clinical trials going on right now. Um, what I would say is watch this space for human trials. There is so much mouse research. It's ridiculous. Um, yeast. Uh, sorry, there's so much research in, in mice. Um, that it's it's really crazy. We do need more corroborative studies on in humans, and they are being conducted on everything from immunity to um, 
for instance, there is one on immune function and potentiating vaccines in the elderly that Katja Simon's going to be doing soon. And uh, there are studies on multiple sclerosis. Uh, there are a lot of others that are happening, but I want to be very clear that these studies have not yet happened and we cannot draw conclusions from them. Really though, if we take it back to what you said at the beginning of the podcast was about how you find sleep so foundational, I think one of the really exciting things is that spermidine appears to reset the elderly circadian rhythm. We know this is true in elderly mice, but we've had a lot of people tell us that after they've taken primidine in the evening, that suddenly they're able to sleep through the night, or they notice on their aura ring that they get two hours of deep sleep, um, that they can go to bed after their deep sleep window. We know that deep sleep happens. It's front loaded. So it's usually between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. If they go to bed after 2 a.m., they generally don't get it. But if you take the primidine, a lot of people say they are getting it. So it is helping with that shift. And the fact that we know spermidine triggers autophagy is, uh, you know, sleep, resetting the sleep cycle and, uh, and triggering autophagy are two big ones. But there are also six hallmarks of aging that it inhibits. And one of those is telomere length. So that's a study that just came out. There were two studies actually on this, one out of the University of Hanover Medical School. And they noticed that it increased the length of telomeres, um, which is fantastic. Now, telomere length is one of the things that that sort of sexual meditation, sexual intimacy done in the right way, the way that the Taoist prescribed it, it also lengthens telomeres. And that's based on the work of Nobel laureate Elizabeth Blackburn and head of the psychiatry department at UCSF. Elizabeth Apple, they actually wrote a book about this, where they mention that, you know, this sexual intimacy, the matching of the eye gaze and the breath can actually lengthen telomeres. So that's that's quite interesting. Um, but the other hallmarks of aging, the other five hallmarks of aging that this inhibits are things like stem cells, which we know we need, right? We must have functioning stem cells in order to repair the body. So that's very exciting. It uh, helps with misfolded protein in the mitochondria, which is, you know, obviously fantastic. Um, it helps with epigenetic changes. It helps with um, mitochondrial dysfunction uh, and impaired intracellular communication. So uh, there's a, a really nice paper from two UCL University College London researchers, Matthias Fuente Alba and Linda Partridge, and a guy at National University of Singapore, Brian Kennedy, that was published in Nature in May of 2020. And it's called the, uh, I think, Molecular Targets for Anti-Aging. And it has all of the molecules lined up. Actually, I've got it. I've got a kind of copy here. And it shows what the what the hallmarks are of aging are across the top. And then it shows what the compounds are and which ones they hit. And spermidine in that paper hits five. Since then, we know that we've got telomere. Uh, it helps with telomere attrition. 
So that's six. And uh, I actually think it will probably help with senescent cells. That's a hope. That's, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, can't make any claims on that. But for those of us who are over 50, all my girlfriends are postmenopausal. We want to maintain our vitality in the second half of life. We know that it's very possible we will live another 50 to 60 years. And if that's the case, I want to be in the best shape I can possibly be. It's almost like you get a do-over in life, right? Yeah, I'm all I'm all for that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I think anyone uh, that knows me or listens to this show uh, knows that I'm not about becoming old and decrepit. I mean, because here's the thing, right? It's and that's an incredible litany of of data there around this really unique molecule. Um, that's I, I feel so stoked to actually be doing a show on it because one of the things I pride myself in is kind of discovering new things, right, and sharing them before they're totally mainstream. Um, but what I can say is that I, I'm not as concerned with how long I live. It's more about how well I feel while I'm here. Correct. There are many people kind of in the biohacking space that want to live forever. And frankly, I don't want to live any longer than I feel good, but yeah. I want, you know, I want to stay feeling good as long as possible. Uh, I, I can say, um, in my, in my own self-study that, uh, I freaking love this stuff. And I, as I said, I do two capsules in the morning and two capsules at night every day. And, um, you know, I'll admit it's difficult for me sometimes to quantify what's moving the needle because I'm always introducing new things. And I don't often do an isolation test where I just like eat a steak, drink some water and introduce a new supplement. Um, case in point being the, the high dose <laughs> melatonin that I experimented with last night uh, with mixed results. But there's something to this particular uh, substance that I think is really unique. And um, there, there are very few things I think that make the cut for me where I take it and I actually feel something and I just kind of know intuitively and also based on some research and conversations like this, that it's going to be in my top 10 and just something that I take all the time for the rest of my life until I learn something different. So... So I think you've discovered something uh, very cool here. And uh, <laughs> thank, you know, you. thank you for making a viable product available too. Um, what, what was thank the, you. Yeah, what was the process like of being someone that doesn't have a background in having a supplement company? Uh, how, you know, and you, you discovered this amazing <laughs> substance, this spermidine. You know, what was the process like of actually wanting to bring it to market and seeing it to fruition and putting together this incredible scientific advisory board and clinical advisory board. I mean, you have a lot of heavy hitters, some of whom you've named. Um, so you're kind of, you know, coming out the gate, firing on all cylinders here, um, more so than someone who just, you know, like, no offense to them, but a mommy blogger that like makes some great toothpaste or something. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm very lucky that I'm in Oxford, right? And this is yeah. this is the the Hollywood of academia. And I've got a friend who's a director in Hollywood. I've asked him how he puts his films together. This is Chris Weitz who did uh, New Moon about a boy and ants. And he says, oh, you know, I kind of, I go to the Ivy and I look around and I see a screenwriter and actor and, you know, there's a first uh, AD and then I've got them all together. And Oxford is exactly the same way. It's a very tiny city. It's only 150,000 people and all these medieval buildings. It's like Disneyland for academics. And 
you do just have conversations with people and you begin to draw your tribe together. And I noticed that there was a very interesting tribe of people here who did believe in the healing power of food. And by the way, ours is food derived. There are some that are synthetic. I didn't want synthetic because there are some other polyamines such as spermine that you also want in there. They have value in putrescine. So I met some of these other academics and realized that this was a viable group to pull together and make something. Nothing like this has really ever come out of Oxford. And as a matter of fact, it was the great Hans Krebs who learned about the Krebs cycle, mitochondrion, who was here at Oxford, who was offered the chance to build a nutrition department at Oxford after the Second World War. And he was head of biochemistry and he said, no, he didn't want that department because it would have to sit in his department. He didn't say why, but I can imagine it's probably it was seen as a women's kind of women's area, right? So if he wanted to, I'm just guessing he probably wanted to have more luster to this new field of biochemistry. Why would you want nutrition? And his comment was, we know everything we need to know about nutrition. This is in like 1948. We now know that's not true. There's so much we don't know. And food has an incredible power. I think when Terry Wells says she still wants to get, she eats a lot of great foods because there's so many nutrients in there that we haven't yet identified that are also important. You can't just take a handful of supplements. And if you do take them, try to get them from food-derived sources, right? Because that's what the body recognizes. Uh, With the primidine, uh, spermidine product that you've created, it's derived from wheat germ, is that correct? That's right. Yes, Uh, yes. And I got it from Japan. When I found that out, I, I recalled uh, being a kid and my mom and dad actually were, were both, um, I guess you, there, there weren't biohackers at this time. <laughs> they were called hippies. Yeah, yeah. I'm from California uh, too. My parents were the same. <laughs> so we, you know, begr- begrudgingly followed my mom to the health food store instead of, you know, Safeway or whatever. And, um, and there would be these bins of wheat germ and my mom would always put uh, wheat germ in these smoothies. I mean, I was eating smoothies when I was two probably. And I never liked the smoothie she would make with wheat germ, probably because she put so much. But after having listened to one of your other podcasts, uh, one of the issues with wheat germ is that it's very easily oxidized. That's right. Perhaps that's why it... That's maybe why you didn't feel so good. You had these rancid omega-6s. So wheat germ has... uh, It does have high uh, concentrations of spermidine, spermine, and putrescine, which are all important polyamines. Spermine does something else in terms of inhibiting hallmark of aging. Um, putrescine actually is a precursor. I mean, they just took the worst, the absolute worst names, didn't they? Putrescine is the precursor to spermine and spermidine. And, but it's, it's got these omega-6s and they're so volatile. They're very delicate and volatile and they oxidize. And we took the fat out of ours. And I think that is something that I just didn't want that, right? You know, you think about the cell integrity and if you're having industrial seed oils or you have rancid oils, it happens with nuts too, right? You know, I love raw nuts, but you've got to refrigerate them. Uh, And then you want to sprout them for the lectin. So um, the reason why it's important to not have oxidized oils is because the cell, the, the the outer membrane of the cell 
loses its integrity. It doesn't become perfectly round. It kind of gets wibbly wobbly on the outside. And so we want the cell to be as healthy as possible. We want that membrane to be healthy. And that's why we took the fat out. Oh, super smart. And then you mentioned earlier that you're uh, on some uh, place of the spectrum of gluten intolerance, but yes. you're but I'm sure you're you're crushing the spermidine uh, on the daily. What about people that are celiac or uh, gluten sensitive or allergic? So uh, I wouldn't recommend this to someone who is celiac or someone who is allergic. I think that's I would I would be cautious for those who are heterozygous for this for celiac gene like I am. I would definitely try it. I think that you're as long as you don't have SIBO, undiagnosed SIBO, and there are a lot of people who have undiagnosed SIBO or in leaky gut, you should be okay. And uh, at this point in time, we have lots of customers who say they're very sensitive to gluten. They aren't celiac. They've tried it. They're fine with it. Um, Amy Lamont, who's one of our clinical advisors, she's also the same as me. Uh, very, very sensitive. She's also an autoimmune survivor. And we've both been very careful about keeping gluten out of our diets. But we don't have any trouble with this at all. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I'm not celiac and I don't have a technical allergy to gluten, but uh, I feel much better when I avoid it. I don't always do so successfully because yeah. bread is delicious, as is pizza, yeah, I know. cake and cookies and all of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I don't have any adverse reaction at all to the primidine. It's a non-issue. Like I, I notice when I eat gluten and I... Yeah. I it you know I'll be honest I have experimented and taken quite a big handful of the <laughs> of the primidine and um, <laughs> not to test the gluten intolerance but just because like I'm tired that day or something like I need mm-hmm. extra help and I haven't I haven't noticed anything so I think that's yeah. um, that's promising and I guess if someone did have some of those other greater sensitivities if they could stomach it they could crush a bunch of natto or Get yeah, on. exactly. Exactly. Food. And we know it has it has very positive effects on the lining of the gut. That's sort of the irony, right? If you've got leaky gut, then spermidine probably will uh, spermidine will be helpful. If you are uh, experiencing any kind of gastric upset, I would start slowly with just one capsule, definitely have it with a meal, and then titrate up slowly until you get to three a day. But in in a dosage, there is about one one hundredth the amount of gluten that you have in the average slice of bread in the United States. Oh, so wow. it's it's you know it's like it's the equivalent of a of a of a crown of a large crown, right? Right. Okay. Cool. Wow. Well, Leslie, thank you uh, so much for sharing your story today, and uh, and thank you for your dedication to the cutting edge <laughs> stuff. You know, I, as I said, I love having conversations with people when I feel like I'm kind of one of the first people to the uh, to the party, so to speak. And, uh, <laughs> I just, you know, I just, I don't know what it is. I guess it's my innate curiosity and passion for feeling good, and like you, having been someone that spent the first half of my life feeling horrible in all yeah. the ways. Uh, it's fun to discover something new that's viable, and uh, the research that go- that's going on is really exciting too. I'm looking forward to more of that unfolding. Uh, I'm not a huge research geek, but I know there is a segment of the population that's a bit more left-brained, and and they really want to see the data to prove something. Uh, to yeah. 
proof is just like, wow, I feel really good. My energy is great. And you know, that's kind of all I need to know. Um, so thank you for giving us so much background on that. And again, for your openness and authenticity about your origin story. It's, uh, oh, you, you know, you've been, you've been through a lot and you're now a happy, shiny person who's making you know, <laughs> a really incredible contribution to the world and bringing something really unique and viable and something that uh, I don't think is a waste of money. You know, it's a thing there. Are, I mean, people, God bless them, send me supplements and stuff all the time. I can hardly keep up. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that, that I'm in that <laughs> position because I used to spend literally more than my rent uh, for many, many years on different supplements and technologies and stuff. Um, but oftentimes it's like, I don't know, they're either redundant or just not that meaningful and maybe they don't harm you, but they aren't something that I'm really committed to or super excited about, uh, frankly. So um, congratulations on you oh, know, thank you. Yeah, on doing yeah. something really unique in the world. And uh, I'm excited to share it with people. It's very cool. Well, I really appreciate it. I think this is part of a paradigm shift in how we think about the aches and pains of aging. If we can just inhibit aging, slow it down, or even reverse it like I did with my illness at age 39, prematurely aging, then wow, what does our future hold for us? How exciting. We can look forward to the second half of life really as the new prime of life. And it is that great do-over that everybody wants in life. It's true. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm I'm going to be 51 this year, and uh, you don't look it. <laughs> that's good. Well, what you're 55, right? I'm 56. Yeah. 56. Yeah. I mean, I think we're doing pretty well, but more than you know, whatever appears on the outside with wrinkles and gray hair and things like that, uh, I can say year over year that I feel better and better and have more energy. It's crazy. It's like it really is kind of like aging in reverse. Uh, that takes a lot of commitment and I don't do things perfectly. I mean, my diet since I moved here to Texas has not been great. There's there's a lot of tasty barbecue here that's probably... <laughs> but the, the point is, I mean, aside from a couple things, like my vision's a little funky. I have like tinnitus and a bit of deafness in the left ear. Like I have a couple signs of aging that annoy me, but in terms of just happiness, well-being, energy, sleep, all of the things... Um, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting better all the time instead of getting worse. So it really... I am, I, I am too. And I think part of it is, you know, we're, we're comfortable in our skin at this age. What's wonderful is we know we don't want to live somebody else's story. When we're young, the body is strong, but the mind is weak. And we've got parents who say, oh, you should go to med school. You should marry that person. You should do this job. And we listen to all of that and it's very anxiety inducing and we're not confident. But by the time, I don't know, I, all my postmenopausal friends, honestly, we are very happy. <laughs> we, we know who we are and we are very comfortable showing up as the people we have become every day and embracing what comes before us. Um, you know, we've got all that experience behind us and the open road ahead of us, as long as we can just inhibit those aches and pains of aging, then what's not to uh, look forward to? Amen. What a, what a notion of, of hope uh, to leave our audience with. However, I do have one final question for you, yeah. Liz, and yeah. that is, uh, you've taught me a ton today as a <laughs> well information. And as you have uh, the audience as well, who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life or your work that you want to share with us? 
Ah, very, very good question. Well, um, certainly, uh, certainly my grandmother, um, just that can do American, you know, let's make it happen. We can do this. Um, the other is definitely Dennis Noble. I think that I've been very privileged to work with such an eminent systems biologist and he pioneered it here in the UK. Um, he's, you know, re, he's, he's teaching us how Darwin should have been interpreted, which I think is really exciting. And uh, I get to talk to him every single week for over an hour, which is wonderful. And he has actually taught me more about learning to embrace uh, my intuition and also to not poo-poo the ancients, to actually look at them with a modern with a modern scientific eye and say, was there any value there before we discard it simply because it's not something that we did? Is it possible that it was true? And I've, I've, I've gained a lot of confidence, I think, through him. And I'm just trying to think of, um, of a third. And well, I know this is going to sound like such a cliche, but I think it's probably the Dalai Lama. And one of his quotes is, uh, never think you're too small to make a difference. Anyone who has ever slept with a mosquito knows that's not true. <laughs> That's great. I've never heard that. Yeah. So that uh, I often think about that because we're just a tiny startup. Um, actually, all women, in fact, and we want to make a difference. We want to make a change. And a lot of people have said, "Oh, you have to raise tons of money. You have to do this, be that." So maybe, maybe we can actually share this message. Maybe this will resonate with people. And whether they can afford our product or not, they can at least try to incorporate spermidine or even seminal retention into their daily diet or lifestyle practices. Awesome. Well, thank you for such a great closing note. And where can people find you uh, website-wise, social media, et cetera? Right. So the website is um, www.oxfordhealthspan, all one word, you can also go to primadine.com, prime, like the new prime, A-D-I-N-E.com. And I've got a YouTube channel as well, which is under Leslie's new prime. So you can find me there. And everything there is about just bringing the body back into balance. Awesome. Thank you for sharing those. And we will, of course, put them in the show notes, uh, which our listeners can often find right in their podcast player. I think a lot of people don't realize that if you scroll down on the Apple podcast app, for example, on this episode, you will see all of the links that Leslie mentioned right there. So keep that in mind, folks listening. And uh, thank you so much for your work in the world and for joining me today. It's really great to get to know you. It was great to do it today. Thanks so much. Well, we did it, ladies and gents. We made it through another episode of the Life Stylist Podcast. Thank you so much for joining Leslie and myself for this conversation today. If you were inspired and made curious by this discussion around this incredible thing called spermidine, again, Leslie has offered a discount of 15% if you go to her site, which is primadine.com slash Luke. That's P-R-I-M-E-A-D-I-N-E primadine.com slash Luke. And if you want to save that 15%, enter the code Luke15. I love this stuff personally. 
I've been on it for, I guess, about two, three months now. Take it twice a day. And uh, it's one of the few supplements. I mean, there are a few out there. I, I have a lot of tools in my arsenal. I'm always experimenting with this stuff. And some things you notice, some things you don't. But I have to say, when it comes to cognition, sleep, energy, this one's definitely made a difference. So if you're interested in that, you can find it again at primadine.com slash Luke. And then next week's episode is one that really came to be because I just continue to get so many questions about EMF. I think because they're invisible and we're starting to really uh, learn about the science around electromagnetic frequencies and their potential risks to our health and not only our health, but really all living beings on the planet, people are becoming increasingly aware yet uh, mystified. Hence the title of next week's episode, EMF Protection Demystified, Basics to Advanced with my friend and EMF expert extraordinaire, Brian Hoyer. So if you're one of those folks that's been uh, shooting me messages on Instagram asking about this and that and all the things, I mean, it's a complex topic, but I tell you what, next week's show is, um, it's a class in and of itself. I think if you tune into that one, you're going to walk away with some heavy artillery in your knowledge base. So thank you so much for joining me for today's show. Thank you for preparing yourself to join me next week. I'd also like to thank our sponsors and just remind you that you can find almost all of our sponsors at lukestory.com slash store, which is where you'll find the master market. And that's essentially a place where I store all of the links to all of the things that I discover in the world that can support your health, vitality, and longevity. That's lukestory.com slash store. It's also helpful to know that any purchases made through the store go to support the funding of this podcast and the other content that I create in the world. So it's a great way to support your health, buy people gifts, support the brands that are really making a difference in the world, and of course, do your part to contribute to the show. As I always say, however, don't think you have to buy anything to listen to this show. Just keep listening. Just keep growing, expanding your awareness, getting healthier mentally, physically, spiritually. And if you're one of those that's curious about trying different products, then go for it and do that too. Our sponsors today, for which I'm extremely grateful, are Onnit. You can find them at onnit.com slash Luke. Next is Organifi. That's Organifi.com slash Lifestylist. Organifi is spelled with an I. And finally, BuyOptimizers.com slash Luke. And the discount codes and links, as I said, can all be found at LukeStory.com slash store. And it's a little overwhelming when I rattle off 50 links for you guys. It's like, wow. However, remember that in most cases, you can find all of these links in the show notes actually right on the podcast player that you're listening to my voice on now. And you can also sign up for my newsletter and all of these links and all the information from each and every episode will be emailed to you every Tuesday and sometimes Fridays. In the newsletters, you will also find a link to complete transcripts for every single word spoken on every single episode. So if you're like me and you listen to podcasts on the go and you try to pause it and take a screenshot or take a note somewhere so that you remember to go out and uh, check something out when you're done. It's hard to keep track of that, especially with the amount of great quality content out there in the world. So I do everything I can to make all this information as accessible and readily available to you as possible. So thank you so much for joining me on another episode. And I'll be back next Tuesday with Brian Hoyer.